Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Lost in Revision, brought to you by the letter J. Do you want to pick a number, guys? Fifteen. I'm going all Sesame Street. I'm here, <laughs> as always, with two of my favorite humans, Angel and Polly. How are you today, Angel? Oh, you know. Same stuff, different day. Woke up to being alerted to the fact that our family got exposed to COVID last night. So mm. we have been doing the big clean. Yay. Yuck. That sucks. Well, in related news, my quest to get my updated COVID vaccine this morning was halted by a random $70 charge for vaccines that the website said were free. So I'll just go to the VA. And Polly, how's your holiday weekend going? Well, marching band season has started. I should have practiced pushing heavy marimbas across the mud in the off-season because it poured down before halftime last night's game, and now my back hurts. <laughs> it sucks getting old, huh? <laughs> and my body got old. My gumption and brain hasn't got with the game yet, so I just push until I hurt myself, and then I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my god, preach. <laughs> I'm there. How did this even happen? <laughs> <laughs> So, Angel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history and culture of this story? I couldn't find too many versions. They all stay fairly consistent. Well, the interesting thing about this story isn't so much the story, but Charles Perrault himself. Due to the popularity of Brothers Grimm, quite often people think that they were the beginning of fairy tales, but actually it is Charles Perrault that began making fairy tales a mainstream literary genre. And he did it almost as a protest. Charles was born in 1628 to a clerical bourgeois family and was very well educated and even held a high royal office. About the time he hit his 20s, a dispute among French writers began about modern writing versus classical writing, which is kind of funny argument to us because for us, the writers of the 17th century are now the classics. But anyway... <laughs> Peralt opposed the thematic limitations of classical literature, and that's when he began collecting folklore and collecting stories to publish under the title of The Tales of Mother Goose. Hmm. Who knew that Mother Goose was originally an act of protest against the status quo? <laughs> I knew, I knew. <laughs> you knew. would know. <laughs> I never knew that. I did not know. So thank you. Thank you for the information. <laughs> so do you think that the Brothers Grimm are more popular because they had more gore? Grimm's were more about family entertainment, like like gathering together and telling stories around the fire. Some of Peralt's stuff was definitely not for children. He wrote fairy tales for adults, and some of it was pretty raunchy, like sexy raunchy. Like Peralt's <laughs> stuff was more like a bunch of young adults sitting around the parlor drinking sherry and telling dirty stories. Dang, why don't we read more of those? <laughs> sort of like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Kids enjoy them, but miss half of the jokes. You know, there's a lot of cartoons that are like that, but oddly, some of the stuff on one network goes the other way, where the adults think it's foolish nonsense, but the children are getting deep thoughts. 
<laughs> well, Toads and Diamonds doesn't have a lot of deep thoughts. And it wasn't part of that first Mother Goose publication. But it is actually one of my favorites of Peralt's stories. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. So let's jump over really quick into Hag Corner. <laughs> Welcome to Hag Corner. In totally unrelated news, today we are discussing Haint Blue because it came up in a conversation during our last recording session. Haint Blue is the blue color that many porch ceilings are painted across the southern United States. The Haint is a restless ghost who remains in this world to cause problems for the still living. The origins of Haint Blue seem to stem from a belief that ghosts can't cross water. The blue color would make them think that they had stumbled into water and they needed to move away from it. Other stories say that it could have made the evil spirits think that they were headed towards the sky instead of into a house and they would get confused and try another home. That's also the argument for the whole insect thing. In the South, the superstition persists that painting a ceiling blue will prevent wasps and birds from nesting in your porch eaves and ceiling. Well, I can easily see the connection between wasps and being haunted by evil spirits. <laughs> True. The practice was likely brought from Africa by the slave trade, in particular the Gullah people, who were brought to South Carolina and Georgia to be exploited for free labor in the indigo trade. The name haint could possibly be a different pronunciation of the word haunt. The forced interbreeding of the slaves intermingled the cultures somewhat, and the traditional porch ceiling color spread cross-culturally across the southern United States. Other than confusing the evil spirits and boo hags, I did find some science in how the color was applied, if not in the color itself. The paints were frequently mixed with lye and turpentine, and at the very least, lye is still known as an insect repellent. If the ceiling of your entire wraparound porch, or in poorer homes, the window and door sills were painted with lye, then the largest carrier of illness, the mosquito, would be less likely to bring the evil spirits of illness into a home. Wasps and birds have some color vision that the blue could have an effect on. And though there are no studies to support it thus far, perhaps the ceiling color could prevent some bugs and birds from nesting. Hag Corner is on TikTok, but here lately I've just been posting random stuff and streaming me beta testing a new MMO. Our next Hag Corner will cover Baba Yaga. Go on over to TikTok to see it long before October's episode is released. Baba Yaga is a special request from my husband to want to hear about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now I want to go get some lye and paint the entire outside of my house with it. Mosquitoes in Texas are no joke. <laughs> I'm glad there's science on this because I've run into people who are super religious and get judgy and superstitious about it. If it's just mm -hmm. science, well, 
Actually, I'm not sure if using science as an argument would help with some of the super religious judgy people. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to use my blue paint and make my bottle trees and not listen to them. And who cares if they think I'm a witch? Well, yeah, science is treated worse than witchcraft currently. So be careful who you quote peer-reviewed studies at. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on to the reading of the story and then we can discuss it after. You here with me. Toads and Diamonds by Charles Perrault There was, once upon a time, a widow who had two daughters. The eldest was so much like her in the face and humor that whoever looked upon the daughter saw the mother. They were both so disagreeable and so proud that there was no living with them. The youngest, who was the very picture of her father, for courtesy and sweetness of temper, was withal one of the most beautiful girls ever seen. As people naturally love their own likeness, this mother even doted on her eldest daughter, and at the same time had a horrible aversion for the youngest. She made her eat in the kitchen and work continually. Among other things, this poor child was forced twice a day to draw water above a mile and a half off the house and bring home a pitcher full of it. One day, as she was at this fountain, there came to her a poor woman who begged of her to let her drink. "'Oh, I, with all my heart, Goody,' said this pretty little girl, and rinsing immediately the pitcher, she took up some water from the clearest place of the fountain and gave it to her, holding up the pitcher all the while, that she might drink the easier. The good woman, having drunk, said to her, "'You are so very pretty, my dear, so good and so mannerly, that I cannot help giving you a gift.' For this was a fairy." who had taken the form of a poor countrywoman, to see how far the civility and good manners of this pretty girl would go. "'I will give you for a gift,' continued the fairy, "'that at every word you speak there shall come out of your mouth either a flower or a jewel.' When this pretty girl came home, her mother scolded her for staying so long at the fountain. "'I beg your pardon, Mamma," said the poor girl, "'for not making more haste.' And in speaking these words there came out of her mouth two roses, two pearls, and two diamonds. "'What is it I see there?' said the mother, quite astonished. I think I see pearls and diamonds coming out of the girl's mouth. How happens this child? This was the first time she had ever called her child. The poor creature told her frankly all the matter, not without dropping out infinite numbers of diamonds. In good faith, cried the mother, I shall send my child thither. Come hither, Fanny. Look what comes out of thy sister's mouth when she speaks. 
wouldst not thou be glad, my dear, to have the same gift given to thee? Thou hast nothing else to do but go and draw water out of the fountain, and when a certain poor woman asks you to let her drink, to give it to her very civilly. It would be a very fine sight indeed, said this ill-bred minx, to see me go and draw water. You shall go, hussy, said the mother, and this minute. So away she went, but grumbling all the way, taking with her the best silver tankard in the house. She was no sooner at the fountain than she saw coming out of the wood a lady most gloriously dressed, who came up to her and asked to drink. This was, you must know, the very fairy who appeared to her sister, but now had taken the air and dress of a princess to see how far this girl's rudeness would go. "'Am I come hither,' said the proud saucy one, "'to serve you with water, pray? "'I suppose the silver tankard was brought purely for your ladyship, was it? "'However, you may drink out of it, if you have a fancy.' "'You are not over and above mannerly,' answered the fairy, without putting herself in a passion. "'Well, then, since you have so little breeding and are so disobliging, I give you for a gift that at every word you speak there shall come out of your mouth a snake or a toad.' So soon as her mother saw her coming, she cried out, "'Well, daughter!' "'Well, mother!' answered the pert hussy, throwing out of her mouth two vipers and two toads. "'Oh, mercy!' cried the mother. "'What is it I see? Oh, is it that wretch her sister who has occasioned all this? But she shall pay for it!' And immediately she ran to beat her. The poor child fled away from her and went to hide herself in the forest, not far from thence. The king's son, then on his return from hunting, met her, and seeing her so very pretty, asked her what she did there alone and why she cried. Alas, sir, my mamma has turned me out of doors. The king's son, who saw five or six pearls and as many diamonds come out of her mouth, desired her to tell him how that happened. She thereupon told him the whole story, and so the king's son fell in love with her, and considering himself that such a gift was worth more than any marriage portion, conducted her to the palace of the king his father, and there married her. As for the sister, she made herself so much hated that her own mother turned her off, and the miserable wretch, having wandered about a good while without finding anybody to take her in, went to a corner of the wood and there died. The End Virginia in the light of the moon so what is your favorite part or version of the story? When I first read this as a little girl, 
I was absolutely horrified by the vipers spewing forth from the nasty sister's mouth. It was sort of, it was the sort of image that could almost be considered to be mentally scarring to me. I love snakes. I'm going to want snakes spewing out of my mouth over diamonds. Diamonds are boring. (laughs) I like snakes too. But the mention of vipers made me think that either her mother had to kick her out or sew her dang mouth shut just for safety's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be honest, neither diamonds or snakes would be very comfortable to try to talk around. But sewing one sister's mouth shut sounds like a good plan to me. Of course, (laughs) that just might be the middle school teacher in me thinking of several 11-year-olds who would definitely get snakes and toads curse if they ran into this particular hag. (laughs) (laughs) I assume the items materialized outside of their mouth at the speaking, not that they actually emerged from their mouth. But yeah, do you tell your students to catch a bubble? No, I've heard elementary teachers use the phrase bubbles in your mouth. I tell mine to be ninjas so that none of the other classes know we are even here. Yeah, I can see that working better with middle schoolers. I was having a conversation with an elementary school teacher who was saying that she actually tells adults to catch a bubble if they're rude or they interrupt her, and it works. (laughs) I find myself using many of the same tools being a supervisor of adults as I did as a kindergarten teacher. It all still works. Yeah, I figured out when I was a tiny child that you shouldn't treat strangers badly because they might be fairies in disguise. It's not a hard concept. I'm sure that wasn't the lesson my church wanted me to learn more, that you shouldn't treat strangers <laughs> badly because dub it jd but hey, whatever makes you a decent person. Yep. Well, considering what would happen to me if I ever looked like I was even thinking about saying something pert, <laughs> yeah, I always tried to speak kindly to Everyone (laughs) would have been nice to be rewarded with the occasional diamond or pearl for all that effort, though. Yeah, but you got to consider inflation. I can talk a lot if I want to. I've been known to yammer on about nothing for hours on end. (laughs) That's exactly why we could make a great podcast. So what's your problem? I do like the fact that the woman was tricky and made herself look entirely different when the sister brought her greedy self back just to try and con a gift out of her. Never try to trick a hag in the wood. Oh yeah, we are sly and capricious. Kudos on the use of the word capricious. (laughs) Well, when you pay $5 for something, you should use it. Hmm. Waste not, want not. (laughs) So let's talk about what the original lessons this story was trying to convey. Well, good things come to those who are polite to strangers, and quite the opposite if you are rude. I think it was that you should always speak as if every word is a precious gem to be treasured. If you don't have gem-worthy words, then silence is your best option. Aww. You know... I think I need to make that a poster for my classroom. I agree. (laughs) Well, I'm on the road to snakes and toads because I'm aiming for hag status. Also, my words are always true, but not always kind. My swamp will be well populated. (laughs) Ew, just you. No worries. I'll tell him to leave you alone when you visit. Polly will like all of my friends. 
I want lots of snaky hugs. <laughs> ooh, ooh, just, just make me a path with a shrubbery. <laughs> And ash trees. <laughs> Do ash trees grow in swamps? I think we're getting lost in the swamp. <laughs> well, Angel said it was the ash of the ash trees, so I could just mix it in with the moss path to warn off the snaky friends. Science is the new magic. <laughs> well, science has always been the new magic. We discover new magic every day. It won't help with the toads, though, but from your past jobs, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I don't mind toads. I can handle toads just fine. And frogs. <laughs> so, what do you think the modern lesson would be? You know, I think we need to promote the original lesson. Because it's obvious most people didn't learn it the first time. Yeah, I agree. Some of the original lessons that we've covered have been terrible. But this one would actually fix a lot in today's society. Words have consequences regardless of your right to say them. Amen and pass the bacon. Mm, bacon. <laughs> My takeaway is that if I make the fairies mad, I get lots of pet snakes. I agree. <laughs> pass the snakes. So, Yo! in closing, what do you think <laughs> happened after the story? I'd like to think she eventually snuck away from the prince and set herself up as financially independent. Hold on, doggies. We're almost done. You want me to say that again? Were the dogs barking? No, it won't be on your feed. Unless that was your oh. dog. That was my dog. <laughs> I can edit out Polly's dogs unless Polly's talking. <laughs> Countries would go to war over her, though. And then the kingdom fell into poverty because the inflation rate going through the roof. What with the prince having such hordes and piles of precious jewels that money meant nothing anymore. Is this about Venezuela? No, the U.S. <laughs> isn't there. Um, but that isn't how wealth works anyway, Polly. He just kept dumping it into his coffers until he was massively wealthy and the rest of the country was still starving. And then he built a spaceship and... Oh, no, wait. I think I got off track, too. <laughs> so... I think the mean daughter becomes an assassin with the vipers that she could spit out at a word. And the real story is that she died in the woods, lying in wait for her victim, bitten by her own viper. Now that's a book prompt right there. I don't know. Sounds like you're trying to write the new Cleopatra legend. Well, I don't have the patience. Can you write it for me? Oh, <laughs> uh, Cleopatra wasn't important. She was just pretty. Cleopatra, pretty girl. Oh, I thought Cleopatra is actually just smart, not pretty. Well, she was brilliant and clever, but history is recorded by men. So Cleopatra, pretty girl. <laughs> well, her smarts did allow her to get a whole bunch of rulers into bed with her. So the real life guys were digging that smarts. <laughs> we can keep talking. We're at 16 minutes and 33 seconds. Which will be at about 20 minutes when you add in the five minutes for those stories. Pretty good length. Okay. I was saying, you know, if real life guys were really digging the smarts, I would have had a much more interesting love life. <laughs> well, well, Cleopatra was also rich. So I think that the real life guys were digging the cash. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's true. 
I didn't but, have enough of that. But the people that she was recorded as having relations with, even children with, were also quite rich. So they were probably just looking out for their heirs. Yeah, money does like money. <laughs> money does like money. And I had the smarts and I was totally a nerd, but I was one of those like in the movie, take off the glasses, pretty girls in high school. So it's like, I don't know. I just didn't date because I didn't like people. <laughs> I like people. I, I didn't date because boys were stupid and nobody ever told me <laughs> that I was supposed to date them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That must be. I didn't really, so, really date until I, like adulthood. Like I'm talking I, like teenage adulthood, but still adulthood. I thought I was into older guys for a while, but then I dated an older guy and he was a crackhead. So mm. yeah, it wasn't the older part that it I was, was not to. the older. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> Trust me. It's not, it's not about age at all. Yeah. I I'm, 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 I'm going to go with the, it's not about age. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Angel. <laughs> Man, am I going to have some jokes if we ever get Rachel on this podcast. <laughs> I, I I think this is where I said last time, well, anyway. So <laughs> <It is. laughs> like everybody's at Dragon Con right now without us. I know. It makes everybody, me kind of Everybody sad. but us. Everybody but us. I do want to. Hey, somebody at Dragon to Con, play, play our, our podcast. <laughs> not this episode it won't be out till next month september yeah no after no, dragon it'll con, be anyway. it'll be this month hey hey by the time this episode comes out we won't be missing dragon con anymore you're right there you go silver lining <laughs> yep no i'm always missing dragon con well, yeah but you yeah. won't be missing the current one be <laughs> that's true that's true we'll have missed it it would be a past. It's in the past. It doesn't matter. Arr, a warning for Yummy Hearty. Yeah, you know, if you go past this point, you're just going to be listening to us talk about conventions that we would like to go to. So the podcast ends here, but I just left the rest because it was fun for me and my convention peeps. So. Yeah, either listen or not. Bye. Yes, we don't need to feel bad right now because we have already missed Dragon Con by the time anybody hears this but us. <laughs> I need I need a new convention to start becoming my home convention. That find does one not in Austin. Happen. Well, there's the, a there's a little one in Memphis. Um, it's in January. The, the problem, the problem it. The problem is finding one that I can do because of school. Mm. I cannot I cannot make Labor Day convention work anymore. With well, yeah, blackout since, dates for traveling. Since I got like promoted and stuff, ugh. Then the end and beginning of fiscal year is like right now. Everything's happening. I can't take leave. <laughs> I don't even yeah. let my finance people take leave right now. <laughs> So, so I need, I need a, I need a really good con that can become my new home con that happens at a better time of year. My first 
convention that I ever went to, I believe, was DALCON in Dallas. I don't know when it is. It was okay. I played live. I played. I LARPed a vampire. It was something. I was 18. What ifs? <laughs> the internet doesn't even know what DALCON is. Oh, I bet it died. That was a while ago. I mean, I go to AggieCon, but that's a tiny little con. It's not a big con at all. Well, you know, DragonCon got kind of old for me. DragonCon got, got too big for its britches. Yeah. It's, it's no longer the nice, friendly convention it used to be. It's not 20,000 of my closest friends anymore. It's people I don't it's even know. 100,000 strangers. Yeah. Weirdos. Yeah. Yeah, real weirdos instead of the cool weirdos. The only convention we've been to in probably, well, since 2008 has been ShadowCon. Where's that? And It's in Memphis. It's the first weekend of January. It's a gaming convention. Hmm. I've been to... Hold on, the first... peanut gallery. What? First weekend in January, that is not New Year's. First weekend in January, that is not New Year's. Oh. Thanks, Peanut Gallery. And we went to some little there, mini Comic Con thing in Jackson. Apparently, yeah. there's actually a con- convention going on in Austin this weekend called Galaxy Con. They're competing with Dragon Con? Or are they just making up for Dragon Con, maybe? Mm. It is Labor Day it's, weekend. The three day weekend people is. People from Austin conflict. who couldn't make it to Dragon Con. <laughs> it's not like you can get a hotel room anyway. Yeah. You have to reserve it three years in advance and give them your And they don't take reservations until 12 months in advance. My my firstborn child has gone to every Dragon Con since 2021. When did I meet you, Angel? 2021? 2020? 2021. No. Not 2020. Oh, you are so right. We've been friends a lot longer than... 2001. (laughs) 2001. Oh my god. (laughs) I missed the one in 2003 because my firstborn was being born. Yeah, I, uh, both of my children are there now. They are, they haven't missed a con in all those years. Since 2001, Elizabeth has been there. And then at the 2004 was the one where my second born was started. Yeah. <laughs> I still see Sierra's Oh my God, David, David Boreanaz is at GalaxyCon. Ming-Na Wen is there. Andy Circus is there. I still can't do Labor Day weekend, Angel. Yeah, but it's just it's just Austin. Yeah, but not Jimmy maybe. Buffett. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett will never be anywhere again. Oh dear Lord, oh. William Shatner and Walter Koenig are here. LeVar Burton's here. Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Brent oh, Spiner is here. I would go to meet LeVar yeah, Burton good and Spiner. Brett Spiner and LeVar Burton Ter- right there. Will Wheaton. Oh, he's got a fly in the sky. <laughs> I can fly twice as high. This is actually a decent lineup. Send up take a look. All right. I don't think I'm going to yeah. keep all this, but I am going to stop the recording now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. 
If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.